You're listening live via the World Wide Web and your favorite podcasting technology to the Dynamic Draft Duo's 2020 NFL Draft Recap. I'm Jason Kurtz along with Chris Page. Thanks for joining us tonight. Chris, a, a draft hey. for the ages. What did you think? I, was, I thought it was awesome. Yeah? I thought it was awesome. I mean, I really I enjoyed the virtual parts of it. I mean, I think that... Um, you know, I, I, and I think we were all thrilled to have some live sports, um, even though we're not really sports per se, but, you know, Anything. Evolving, evolving news. Anything, yes. Um, but, I, you know, I really, there was such a personal side to it, you know, with seeing all these GMs with their kids. Right. And, <laughs> you know, and the and the draft, uh, the draftees with their families, and, you know, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, I do too. No IT glitches, so that was good. Everything went pretty smoothly. Um, I, you know, a couple of things. I got to tell you, I got really tired of uh, Commissioner Goodell trying to rile up the fans to boo him. Like it was. Re- I, that, that, I, that was the first thing I was going to bring up. It was funny the first like one time, maybe and two. Then it was just so contrived. It was stupid. I yeah. mean, you need he needed to stop that or do something different. Like, yeah, who just, do you want and, picked? And, and you could hear the bleed in. Yeah, <laughs> you know, with, with you know, right when they would switch to him, you know, he would be kind of you know yelling at them, "Come on, come on!" You know, it just seemed kind of absurd to me. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I was wondering was, how did you get to be one of those people? Like, I never right. saw like a sign up <laughs> yeah, for that. I never saw any solicitation. <laughs> right. I would have loved to have done that. That would have been awesome. But yep. uh, but I never saw anything. That was my only question for how did you get on there? So, uh, yep. all right. Well, let's – you mentioned it. You know, there were some great moments from coaches, from GMs, from players. Like, tell me about one that you – you know, one or two that really struck you that you really enjoyed. Well, one funny one that I just saw on Twitter that I'm not sure if I even saw it live during the broadcast was – one of the Seattle Seahawks uh, front office personnel was was talking, and his dog was doing zoomies back and forth as fast as it And he's just and you just see him coming in and out of the picture back and right. forth. I thought that was pretty classic, and and I think just there were just so many cool moments watching these GMs with the weight of the world on their shoulders, you know, drafting guys that basically are going to be in some ways responsible for their job security. Absolutely. Uh, high-fiving their kids and really involving them in this process. Now, did you notice, I definitely saw a trend with the kids. Like, the younger kids were jumping up and down. They were excited. They were, like, cheering. They were high-fiving. And the teenagers were just kind of sitting there trying to look cool. I don't know if you noticed yeah, that. I think, <laughs> I, think, I think I can definitely understand that, too. So. Yeah. How about uh, best best – uh, home by a coach or GM. I mean, Jerry Jones oh, had his. Y- loved- <laughs> I, mean, I think the funniest thing is all the NFL guys given Cliff Kingsbury. Yes. Black. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was the ultimate bachelor pad, wasn't it? It was. And then J- Jerry Jones with his yacht. But it's funny. My wife walked by as I was watching some. I think it might have been Bill Belichick. I'm not exactly sure. But even with Roger Goodell, she was like. Geez, can't these guys afford some better interior design work? I mean, geez. It's funny. It's funny. Yeah. But yeah, there were some there were some definitely some beautiful homes. 
Absolutely. I definitely would not have wanted to uh, been a deer anywhere near Mike Zimmer. No, exactly. <laughs> it reminded me of the scene in Arthur where he's like, you must have hated this deer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so let me ask you this. How much of the draft did you watch? I honestly watched probably 95% of it with a short nap. Uh, early afternoon before the Bucks picked in the fifth round. <laughs> got it, got it. Well, uh, I'm sure you saw ratings were up 37 percent over last yep. year, 15.6 million on day one. I actually thought it'd be even more than that. I don't know what the rest of the sports world was doing because yeah, that's, I was actually a little surprised it was it was even that at, at that level. You know, yeah, I thought it'd be much more. Yeah, I watched all the first round. Literally every minute, probably about 80% of rounds two and three. And then I was getting a little bit fatigued on day three, probably about 40, 50% of it. Um, uh, The interesting thing was I saw that ratings peaked when Tua got drafted. That was the absolute peak of of the ratings. So uh, who knew Miami would would drive the – uh, the greatest uh, intrigue in the draft, or maybe it was Tua and the Bama factor. Yeah, I think, I mean, Tua is just such a engaging person. Yeah. Know? The other yeah. thing was interesting was, if you looked at the top five cities for ratings, three were from the city, uh, from the state of Ohio, Columbus, Cleveland, and Cincinnati. So uh, apparently Joe Burrow drafting first and Brown's drafting in the, uh, what was it, 10, uh, really uh, captivated the state of Ohio. Yep. Well, there's a lot of long-standing pain there. Yes, so. exactly, exactly. <laughs> I think we all know at this time of year, hope springs eternal. So. Exactly. So any themes that jumped out that uh, that you that you really struck you as well, interesting? One thing that I thought was, at least from my reaction and from the majority of the experts on ESPN's reaction, there were much less head-scratching picks this time. Right. And I almost think that because they couldn't interview a lot of these players in person, it eliminated this kind of falling in love with a player's personality. Right. And really just going off the tape. I think that's a great point. And I think that that maybe, ironically, allowed a lot of these teams to make better decisions. Well, the other thing you saw, I think, to that point is, um, you know, obviously there was massive domination by the SEC and LSU and Alabama in particular, but um, the FCS was way down. They had been averaging 18 picks a year in the draft for the last few years. They only had six. So I think there was this kind of flock to safety um, or you know, perceived safety uh, that sure, took but there place. There was a huge increase in the non P five schools too. Well, someone had to make up for the Big 12's disaster. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it probably fits in with the tape idea. You know, yeah, there's much exactly. more tape on those guys. Exactly, know? exactly. A um, couple other things that I noticed just were interesting. I felt like you saw some teams, particularly in the AFC West. You know, this is always known as a league of copycatters absolutely loading up on speed to try and compete with the Chiefs and offense. Broncos, Raiders, both yep. piled up on offense and speed, speed, speed in particular. Cowboys were the same thing, I would think, over in the NFC. Any other, you know, kind of big themes think stick out? You know, I just think that um, it really 
kind of, again, separated, I think, the people that draft well from the teams that don't draft well. Yeah. I'm just, I'm shocked at a couple. Oh, I've got some rants. I've got some rants to do when we start going, when we start giving out our grades. And it's funny because, you know, I've got so many friends that are, you know, fans of all these different teams, you know, I'm getting text messages, you know, (laughs) of people basically, you know, ready to jump off a cliff because of their team's drafting. It's funny. Well, as a Bucks Bucks fan, I can relate because I've had decades of that, but I think we're on a much different track these days. Well, I think I, it's funny you say the Bucks, but I mean, I don't think I'd put them in like my top three for draft grades, which we'll get to. But if you said who won the off season, I mean, is yeah. there any question that the Bucks were the big winners in the off season? No, not even. Yeah, it's not even. They are the big winner. Yeah, no they doubt. They are the big winner. I mean, to get Brady and then a, basically a fourth. For Gronk in the seventh, and still keeping OJ Howard, and, you know I, I I'm very excited. I'm, but as a Bucks fan, I'm almost anticipating because this is the year will be so good. There will clearly be no football, <laughs> right? Of course, of course, that would make the most sense. Too funny, too funny. Forty years of trauma talking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, let's get to the draft, um, and we'll each give kind of our top few ratings for who we thought did the best and who we thought did the worst. But let's first let me summarize for the for our listeners out there how we did on our picks. So we got nine of the first round thirty two exactly right, meaning we picked the exact player to the exact team, um, and you know nailed essentially about thirty percent of those. The interesting thing was. We did really well in the first 13 picks, but once that hit, it was basically, uh, we only got one right after that. So eight of our first 13, and then after that, we only got one of the last 19. Uh, So it definitely gets trickier as you go through the round. No doubt. I thought we had some really good picks that we absolutely nailed that maybe not everyone was on top of. CJ Anderson. Yeah, but the other one was uh, Kinlaw to the to the Forty Niners yeah, too. Yep. That was a good one, I thought, um, and yep. uh, uh, and was interesting. You know, some of the other stats on on when you look at it, we got sixteen right um, or fifty percent of the first round where we got the position right. So we picked a team and a position. And but they may not have taken the player we said at that position, but they took that position. So example, um, the Giants took Andrew Thomas, but we had them taking Jedrick Wills. That's right. still pretty good, I think. If you're saying, "Hey, fifty percent of the time we nailed the position that they took," given how many different yep. positions there are, and then where I think you know, you know, some improvement for next year as we think about this of the thirty-two drafted. Uh, or of the 32 players we picked, we 22 of them actually got picked in the in the first round. So two thirds of those. So I think where we had a lot of trouble was around cornerbacks and wide receivers, uh, particularly in the second half of the first round. There was a big drop off between Akuda and C.J. Henderson, and then after that, it looked like just everybody had a different perspective on who the next best cornerback was. And it yep. just became a bit of a mess, and there was a run on cornerbacks, which uh, which definitely did not help us on the on the pick. And, and same with the receivers. You know, there were yep. so many receivers to pick from. Yep, yep. So uh, you know, some good lessons learned there about how hard it is to get it right, particularly once you have one or two teams that go a little bit of a different direction. It's just like it spirals out of control. Yeah. 
So, um, well, let's get to uh, let's get to the picks. Um, let's talk about uh, who each of us graded as our top three teams. So I'm gonna. Why don't we each do our number three, then our number two, then our number one? Uh, I'll let you go first with your number three, and we'll go okay, from well, there. So my number three would be the Bengals. Okay. Um, you know, I think they did really well. I mean, obviously, Joe Burrow. Um, but I really like the linebacker they took. Um, and I think that, you know, they did a lot of signing on their defense in the offseason. Right. Um, you know, I think that they're poised to maybe win five games. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Baby steps, right? That's right. Got that it. That is right. I think, though, um, you know, I just, you know, I think that Bengals fans were probably sweating, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but like I said, you know, I really like Logan Wilson. I like Akeem Davis Gaither. Um, I think getting T. Higgins. I mean, I, I, I know he's not the fastest guy, but he produced in college. So, yeah. Um, you know, you put him with A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd. You know, you've got a prick and Joe Mason in the backfield. You've got, and then they've got uh, the offensive lineman from Alabama that didn't play last year. Yeah, that was their first round pick. So, yep. I think this is a franchise that's on on the way up. I'm hoping. Not much room to go down, so it has to be going. That's for sure. Got it. Got it. Yeah, I liked what the Bengals did. Um, my number three. Uh, probably could be a little bit of a surprise, but uh, is the San Francisco 49ers. I loved what they did. Um, picking Kinlaw, uh, which is a cheaper, younger, maybe more athletic, bigger, faster. Uh, DeForest Buckner, who they traded away to the Colts, as a reminder, I think is great. I think adding Ayuk, the wide receiver out of Arizona State, gives them a great playmaker and some speed and I think that's what you know when we talked when I mentioned earlier about teams wanting to add just speed to their roster and versatility that's exactly him Um, and uh, you know if you also factor in uh, you know Trent Williams was essentially picking up picked up as a result of the draft I absolutely loved what they what they did Um, I think Charlie Warner, the tight end out of Georgia, has a chance to stick with them. Um, He's he had some good moments for the Bulldogs. So um, and I like the offensive lineman McKivitz out of West Virginia. I think he could stick with them as well. So, you know, considering you're drafting, uh, you, you know, you lost in the Super Bowl. You added a couple great first round picks. If I had to, you know, critique one thing, I would say I would have liked to have seen him grab a cornerback. Maybe they'll still do something in free agency, but overall, I just loved what they did. Yep. I would agree with that. I mean, getting a fourth-round pick from the Bucks to move up one spot. Yeah. And still getting the guy that they want. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. All right, who's your number two? It's the Browns, staying with the theme of Ohio. Wow. Um, That's hard to imagine. You know, I really liked uh, the pick of Wills. Yep. Um, you know, Baker needs protection. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> and you know they never replaced Joe Thomas. Yep. And you know now they've got somebody that can plug in there. Um, you know I think that it's going to be interesting to see if Baker takes the mantle of being a true leader. Yep. The <laughs> big question be, mark. Yeah, you know I think that's going to be a big question because there's so much talent there. Um, you know, the questions are again going to be Odell. Yeah. <laughs> you 
Um, but I really like, I mean, getting Grant Delpit at 44. Um, you know, he was somebody that might have been a top 10, 15 pick. If yep. he, you know, if he'd come out a year earlier. Yep. Um, like Jordan Elliott, I think he's somebody that can plug in and play right away. That's for thanks for rubbing some salt in the wound. The the guy who transferred from Texas to Missouri appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, it's always painful when we see our college favorites or at least players from our teams transfer and have success. Exactly. Um, and I think it's interesting they picked up another tight end. You know, because yep. now they've they've got three tight ends and yep. three potentially really good tight ends. Yeah. I like the last pick of their draft, Donovan Beeple Jones out of Michigan yep. too. He's got I mean, this was a five star recruit who's got a lot of talent, just never quite put it together at Michigan. Maybe uh maybe that was more quarterbacking than it was anything else. Yep. We'll see. We shall Indian Texas just got to reflect. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> so uh, we're hoping it was the quarterbacking and nothing else. So exactly, we'll find out. Right? Yeah. Um, well, my number two uh, stays uh, in the AFC, uh, and it's the Baltimore Ravens. Um, this is a team that every year I feel like I watch them and I love um, their draft. And uh, uh, you know, Patrick Queen, the linebacker from LSU, really came on strong the second half of the year. Um, he's fast. He can cover. I mean, I think he's exactly the kind of linebacker you need uh, when you're battling the Chiefs to win the, win the conference and get to the Super Bowl. So uh, I think that's a good one for them. J.K. Dobbins, I'm a big fan of. I mean, the guy just is sensational. I think he could end up being the best back out of this class. Um, of course, I'm a fan. They added a lot of speed uh, with Devin Duvernay out of Texas, who's a track guy, and then James Prochet. Did I pronounce it right? The SMU wide receiver. Both track guys. Again, the theme of adding speed, I think, um, absolutely comes into play. And then they added, like, to me, Malik Harrison out of Ohio State, the linebacker, is a prototypical Raven linebacker who's going to stop the run and is big. Uh, in, you know, he's no Ray Lewis, but he's pretty darn good. And then I think Justin Matabuki out of uh, Texas A&M is a good defensive lineman and really held up well in the SEC um, and was probably the best defensive player on A&M. So uh, I I really like what they did across the board. You gave more weapons to uh, Lamar Jackson, which is really scary. But more importantly, you just gave him some unbelievable speed, um, which I think uh, is going to make them even tougher. And And as spoiler, the reality is they're my number one. So uh, okay, um, it'll be interesting because you, you now see Lamar talking again that he's going to run less this year, right? Um, you know, now the question is, is, what happens to Mark Ingram? You know, is yep. he? You know, they have four running backs now that um, three that got carries, significant carries last year. Yep, and now they added Dobbins. Yep, um, you know, so what? How do they manage that backfield? I mean, I don't think Lamar can help himself. Right. You know, he's he's going to run. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, I, it'll be interesting to see because they, they drafted pretty heavily with receiver last year. Um, and I agree with DuVernay and Prochet. It's great additions. Now it'll just be how much his accuracy improves and how much will they switch from being as reliant on tight ends predominantly in yep. the passing game. And being more focused on, you know, spreading it a little bit more to the receivers also. I mean, Marquise Brown, if he's healthy, 
Oh, you know? the speed with him, Duvernay, it's and ridiculous. Prochet is scary. I mean, it makes Kansas City look slow. Right, and you've got a quarterback that can extend play. Exactly. You know, so I would not be want to be a defensive back chasing those guys around for 60 minutes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, they were your number one, and I'll, uh, I'll make my transition to number one, and this is a little home cooking. How about them Cowboys? <laughs> I, uh, I'm i not usually a big fan of the Cowboy drafts, but I thought just from a value at like every single round, I, I sat there and I said, how in the world did they get this guy uh, and fall? It was just all over the board. It just felt like guys keep kept falling to them. Uh, and I just was really uh, thrilled, um, you, you know. They never even talked to C.D. Lamb. They never thought he was going to get there, but he was just too good on the board. And yep. I think in a copycat world, they're trying to become the Chiefs. Like, they already had yep. the best offense in the NFC. Now you add C.D. Lamb to that? Are you kidding me? I mean, and, and I thought he was the – I mean, I love Jerry Judy, but he, I, I haven't seen a receiver in college in a long time that could break tackles. Yeah, agreed. I mean – Agreed. And then, so many times he would catch a pass, and you would think there were three guys around him, and he would – Somehow come out of the back. That was just against Texas, but uh, it happened against other teams too, I'm sure. But it felt like it. every highlight they showed, it was against Texas. I'm pretty sure. But uh, uh, I love that pick, uh, Trayvon Diggs. They needed a cornerback. He's a big cornerback. I mean, knows what it takes to be successful in the NFL. Survived yep. under uh, Saban in Alabama. I think in round two, that was a great pick. Some people, including us, thought he might go round one. Um, yep. Neville Gallimore, I thought was the, you know, with all due respect to Kenneth Murray, I thought Gallimore was the best defensive player for Oklahoma last year. Uh, defensive tackle who can get pressure uh, and, you know, really gave the Big 12 fits. And then, um, you know, you have your all-pro center, Travis Frederick, retire. Then you pick up Tyler Biades from Wisconsin to be the next center in the fourth round. That guy could come in and start immediately. Um, yep. And then Bradley Ani or Anai from Utah, great defensive end. I think led the Pac-12 in sacks last year in round five. I just thought there was a lot of value, and you just couldn't complain with any of their picks. Cowboys D line is stacked. Yeah, so it's just stacked. So yeah, I was really really pleased with uh, what the Cowboys did. All right, let's uh, let's switch it up here. I have a feeling we may have some overlap here on our bottom three teams, but maybe some some differences too. Uh, why don't you go with your third worst team? Okay, my third worst team would be the Bears. All right. And I just don't understand a team that already has nine tight ends on their roster <laughs> using their first pick on a tight end that yeah. they probably could have gotten later in the draft or gotten other guys very similar skill sets yeah that Cole Komet yeah um, you know I just you know they've got a GM there that traded up to number two to get Mitch Trubisky yeah that's all you got that's you know in the same draft as Mahomes and John Watson yeah yeah um, you know my Bears one of my really good friends is a Bears fan he just has no concept how he still has a job yeah I hear um, you you know, I just think that there's so many other needs. Um, it's just going to be it's going to be interesting. Are they, they going to run like you know four tight ends that or? <laughs> well, who's going to pass to them? Trubisky has not proven he can throw to anybody. Like, yeah, at least get him a receiver. 
Or maybe it's not the tank for Tua, but it's the lose for Lawrence. Or yeah, whatever. could be. <laughs> whatever it may be, you know, I just think that, you know, they're in for, they're, you know, this is a team a couple of years ago after the, you know, um, I forget, Cole Mack was really in the up. And it doesn't seem like that's trending in that direction anymore. Yeah. All right, well, here's my number three, and it's it may be a little bit off the board because I actually, you know, with all due respect, I actually like some of the players they picked, and that's the Arizona Cardinals, and here's why. I like Isaiah Simmons. Uh, I like Josh Jones, who they took in the second round, and I actually really like Eno Benjamin, who they took in the seventh round. But, you know, you got Kyler Murray, who was sacked an unbelievable number of times last year. Yeah. Uh, and... Uh, you, you you had all you had your choice basically of the top offensive tackles, and you know Josh Jones may end up being the best of the group. Who knows? But I also you know Isaiah Simmons is good, and I think he's going to be a good pro. I just don't like him in this division. I mean, he is a small, light, fast linebacker, maybe safety, and you're in a run heavy division with yeah, Seattle and Niners, San Francisco yeah. and, and maybe even the Rams you would put in that category or you would have with Gurley. I don't know if like I think you needed uh you might have needed Kenneth Murray at linebacker more so than you needed Isaiah Simmons. Yeah. Um I just I just thought the fit at that pick didn't make a lot of sense to me. I mean, I think they probably got enamored with the best player available idea, you know, and because, like you said, they needed offensive linemen. And they, you know, now they have DeAndre Hopkins. You know, they are prepared to take a huge leap next yeah. year offensively. I agree. I agree. So but that if he's not playing. You know, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Got to so, keep him upright. Yeah, that was my number three. All right, who's your number two? Is uh, the mighty Houston Texans? Yeah. Um, you know, this is kind of a, a not only a draft grade but a whole off season grade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which the whole offseason grade would probably be an F. Oh, um, unreal. You know, I mean, and the funniest, like, back to the moments of the draft, was watching Bill O'Brien yelling at the phone. Right. When they drafted Jonathan Greener, and they thought they were trading him, I guess, to the Lions, and then they backed out of the trade. Unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, my, I have a couple really close Texans fans, and it's been a rough year and a half. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, I totally agree. They're the losers of the off season. If the Bucks are the winners uh, of the off season, I mean, he he just—I've never seen somebody so desperate to trade for players. Yeah, crazy. And just sacrifice the entire future of your team. You know, he—I think he's trying. You know, he's obviously a Belichick protege. He's trying to be like Belichick and own, like trade people away who aren't a fit. But you actually have to win at some point, right? You actually have to right. have some good players. It, and he's like missed the Belichick philosophy was get rid of them before they're going to cost you a lot of money. But you had Hopkins under contract. Like, wh- right. wh- what are you doing? So, so I mean, it's, makes no it, sense. It, there's no method to the madness. Yeah. There's no method to the madness. All right. Here, I'm going to go with number two, my number two. And again, this is probably going to be different than most people have uh, as a team at the bottom of that. And it's just because I live here in Atlanta. Uh, the Falcons just drive me crazy. Um, you know, I get that you want to be need focused, right? They're they are clearly not a best player available team, uh, or they might have taken CD Lamb, but um, I get it. There, you know, Dan Quinn has to win now. Uh, Dimitrov, the GM, probably has to win now, or they're going to get fired. But um, 
I think it, they've made it abundantly clear that they are grading people differently than everyone else in the NFL is. And if you go back yeah. to Mel Kuyper's comments about the Jets and not understanding the draft, the Falcons don't understand the concept of value at the, at the spot that you're in in the draft. A couple years ago, they took Keanu Neal in the first round. Turned out to be a pretty good player. Had a lot of injury history. Most people had him as, at best, a late second round or third round. They picked him in the top half of the draft. Then last year, they took the guard out of Boston College, Chris Lidstrom, and offensive tackle Caleb McGarry, both in the first round. They traded back into the back end of the first round to get Caleb McGarry. Most people had Lidstrom, again, as best a second round, and McGarry as probably a third round pick. And they took him in the first round. And then this year, I get cornerback is a need. A.J. Terrell, I didn't hear anybody saying A.J. Terrell was the next third best cornerback after um, uh, after C.J. and Akuda. Like, they could have yep. traded back and gotten some more draft capital uh, yep. and still had A.J. Terrell. Um, and so that's frustrating. And then, the, you know, the same thing they did um, – you know, in the third round, they took Matt Hennessy, the center from Temple, and like, you know, he may end up being a good player, but just a couple picks later, you had Lloyd Cushenberry, the guy from LSU who dominated people, and many thought might be, you know, the second center after Ruiz go, and then you had Tyler Biedas go in the fourth round. I think both of those guys are better than. Tennessee, uh, who the Falcons got, and it's just uh, it's just frustrating for me. Understandably, I mean, I think the AJ Terrell pick was a huge reach. Just reach, just trade down and get. Yeah. So that's, anyway, that, and I'm sure there were plenty of people looking to move up at that point. Exactly at six, to, just to get CD Lamb. Yeah. So. Um, all right, let's move to our worst, and I have a feeling we may agree on this one. Let's see. <laughs> let's I think see. This one's the slam dunk. Yes. I think it's the uh, soon-to-be Aaron Rodgers Green Bay Packers. Exactly. Totally agree. <laughs> what were your thoughts? Talk about it. I have a very old friend who is just the hugest Packers fan. And he wrote me this text. It says, both my sons now acknowledge that they are both too emotionally invested in the Packers and, quote, just like my father. <laughs> and he writes, and I'm so proud of my boys. <laughs> so I think there was some collective agony in cheese that land. Um, you know, Jordan Love, polarizing prospect. Half the league thinks he could be great. Half the league thinks he's a second, third, fourth rounder. Yeah. Um, you know, I saw an amazing stat that in Aaron Rodgers' entire career, he's thrown one touchdown to a first-round draft pick. And it probably and wasn't was, someone they drafted. It was the mighty Mercedes Lewis. Right, there you go. Someone <laughs> drafted by the Jaguars who right. eventually ended up in Green Bay. I mean, I if I was a Packers fan, I would have just been... I mean, this is a team with an excellent top you know, three to five in the league quarterback... In, on his last legs with a team that's pretty ready to win. You plug in a couple receivers, um, you know, beef up a couple aspects of the defense, which they did a lot last year in free agency. Right. And that's a team, you know, that was on the cusp if they could have stopped the Niners a couple times. Right. I mean, I think the Niners just scored again. But, you know, I think that this is a team that's ready to go to the Super Bowl, and they did absolutely nothing to help them. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean... If you I mean, had said AJ, AJ Dillon, I was like, oh. that is 
I mean, that's Jamal Williams. Yeah. It, I mean, they already have A.J. Dillon on their roster. Yeah. If you had told me, okay, we're not going to get Aaron Rodgers any offensive weapons, but you know what we're going to do? We're going to get the best run-stuffing defensive lineman. I'd have been yep. okay with that because yep. they absolutely got run over by the 49ers. But they didn't even do that, right? They didn't even pick a defensive tackle uh, in this uh, at all. And then, um, you know, inarguably, the most people would say one of, if not the deepest class of wide receivers, they couldn't find one that could help their team? Like, not that's, one? That's what I just don't understand. And, okay, maybe you take it off. But you listen to the GM talk, and he says, well, you know, we had 10 guys we liked. Then once it got to a certain point, we didn't have any draft capital to draft back up. And I'm thinking, yeah, but you reached for tons of other players. Right. You, know? you traded up. You gave away some of that capital to get Jordan Love. Right. Who would have probably been their 99% right. guaranteed at where they were picking. Yeah. You know? So they didn't take the defensive tackle. Okay. They didn't take a wide receiver. They didn't take an offensive lineman to help Aaron Rodgers until round six, right? So we're not even helping him on that front. And in a year where, again, if you argue the wide receivers is perhaps the deepest, I think you could make an argument that the tight end was the weakest class in the entire draft, and they managed to pick one in, like, round three. So I, I, it just doesn't make any sense. And I think if if this weren't football, if this were the NBA – Aaron Rodgers would be demanding a trade right now, and he would be yep. on another team before the season started. Yep. I don't think there's a single question about that. He would not be on this team. Well, I saw one report that they almost felt like the Jordan Love pick was a power play with Rodgers. I saw that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, once it gets to that level with the team, that's, that's going to be the downfall. There's no, there's going to be no cohesion at that point. And I think Aaron Rodgers' silence since the draft says pretty much everything. Yep. So I would agree. I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, any other notes that uh, that you want to you know pick off from the draft? Uh, you know, we obviously didn't I mean, cover. I'm lots just of- thrilled with the Bucks draft. Yeah. I mean, for them to get Tristan Wirfs at 13, that was just. Uh, I, I thought he was the at least top two tackles in yep. the draft. Um. I like you Antoine know, Winfield Jr. a lot. I, think, I do too. It's funny. I wanted at that when it got to that point, I was hoping running back. But then once they drafted him, I'm like, that's that's the perfect pick. Yeah, because the one, the one place they needed to plug and play on defense was a versatile safety. Yep. And he is exactly that. Yep. And you know, we've drafted like 47 defensive backs in the last four years. So I think this is the year we're going to have a good secondary. <laughs> good, good. Well, and, you'll, you'll get some good practice against Brady every day. Yes. And, I, and I, you know, I think Keyshawn Vaughn has some upside. Yep. Um, you know, I'm just excited. I'm just excited. I'm really hoping we get to August and things start to shift. Yeah. I, one other note for me, which I found interesting, was the New England Patriots did not take a quarterback, but they did draft a kicker. So, uh, you know, you just never know uh, what Belichick is going to do. And one thing, one trade I did like was I liked the Dolphins getting Matt Breida. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a big Matt Breida fan. When he's healthy, he is really good. Oh, and absolutely. And you know, to get him for a fifth-round pick, I think, was a was a steal. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh 
I think you could make an argument that the that the Dolphins had a great draft. I mean, they got a good, yeah. They would have been my fourth. Probably. Yeah, I'd like. You know. They got quarterback, and then they loaded up on offensive linemen to protect that quarterback. Then you trade for a proven running back. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of talent in the guys that they took. I thought uh, I, I agree. They were in my top five. Just didn't quite make the top three. Yep. All right. Final segment for tonight. Looking forward to. 2021 you talked about uh uh trevor lawrence uh what what are your thoughts as uh you think about next year's draft who are some of the guys besides trevor lawrence on your mind uh as a starting point i think the question is honestly going to be is is justin fields going to pass him this year as the top prospect yeah you know, I, I think that I was looking at some, some statistics. You know, Trevor Lawrence, the first seven or eight games last year was pretty bad. Yeah. Um, you know, he definitely had a sophomore slump. And it'll just be interesting to see how they both fare this year. Um, you know, I think that it'll be it'll just be interesting to see with how the season evolves, how that affects teams' needs, too. Yeah. Um, you know, there's so much uncertainty right now. Yeah. I think... What, what are you looking at? I mean, I like Trevor. I don't see the next coming of uh, Andrew Luck or Peyton Manning or anybody like that uh, when I see Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I thought he looked mediocre at best against LSU. Um, and... Um, and I think they didn't... I mean, they didn't play anyone until they got to the semifinals... And, you know, he, he, I just am not sold on Trevor Lawrence. I actually like Justin Fields, who you mentioned, a lot more. I think he's got, you know, great playmaking ability, escapability, a great arm. I love what they do. So uh, uh, I think it'll be really interesting to see that. I think I think if, if Mike Haynes can figure out how to get De'Ara King to grow three inches. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. I think... Some interesting things for the draft next year. There's some amazing wide receivers. Uh, you know, Jamar Chase uh, out of yep. LSU. Uh, a lot of folks may not be as tied into Rondell Moore at Purdue, but that guy is just electric. Um, and then Alabama has got a. I mean, Alabama it's could be what LSU. Waddle and and uh, Devonta Smith. Uh, Patrick Sertain Jr. Probably been a first round pick this year too, and he yeah. could have come out. Yeah, so Alabama could have five or six guys go in the first round next year, um, and uh, I think it'll be really interesting. I'll also be looking to see if uh, my Texas Longhorns can get someone back into the first round. Maybe Sam Cosme, our left tackle, or Caden Stearns, our safety, or maybe even Sam Ellinger will pull uh, Joe Burrow and. Uh, uh, and move up into the first round. So I'm, I'm just hoping we get a Longhorn in next year's uh, day one draft. And uh, I'm very hopeful we will have a Kane in the first round next year with Greg Rousseau. Yeah, sure. I would imagine. Like, if he if he does what he does, he's got to be a top 10 pick, almost guaranteed. No doubt. I mean, 15 and a half sacks last year. Yeah, amazing. All right, well, here's the final question for you. Who do you think will have the number one pick next year? Oof. I think so. Jags. Jags. I mean, they just... That's another franchise that's basically gutted their roster. Yep. Yep. My bottom three were Jags, 
Redskins and Carolina Panthers, and I'm going Carolina Panthers. No faith in Teddy Bridgewater. I, you know, I, I think it's great when you got uh, Sean Payton and Michael Thomas and all right. the weapons. It, it can kind of insulate you a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I obviously you love Christian McCaffrey. The the Panthers have uh, a lot of good uh, receivers. Um, obviously, they drafted every single player they drafted was on defense, was defense yeah. right? So they're working on their defense, but. I don't know. Matt Rule's got seven years to uh, build something. He's under no pressure to do anything this year. So yeah. if uh, if someone was going to tank and do it, you know, you know, somewhat uh, cleverly, that would be the team to do it. And so, yeah. uh, you know, that's kind of my view that uh, maybe you have someone get injured and they just tank and then they get the number one pick and we see what happens. Well, I hope we can be talking about this in a year. Yes. And after completing a football season. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Well, any other parting shots that you have for tonight, Chris? No, just that this was incredibly enjoyable, and yeah. I think we should keep doing this moving forward. Absolutely. I hope uh, hope all of our listeners uh, enjoyed our thoughts and musings and uh, memories from uh, our childhoods and hearing about our favorite teams and hopefully learned a little bit about the draft as well. So uh, for the dynamic draft duo, Chris Page and yours truly, Jason Kurtz, signing off for the 2020 NFL draft. We will see you next year.